In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He put a new song into my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Today, no doubt, there will be many parishes treated to various explanations of the symbolism and significance of our Lord touching the man's ears and spitting and touching the man's tongue. I, however, would like to draw your attention to something a little simpler. The mere fact that the man was willing to let Jesus touch him in his ear and in his mouth, and that the Lord was willing to do it. Think about this. Don't let this be another Bible passage that simply passes past your attention without a little bit of scrutiny. When was the last time you were eager to put your finger into somebody else's ear? And remember, these lobes were probably rather hairy. And Q-tips weren't invented until 1920. So a cotton swab had not touched these delicate ear canals for, well, their entire lifetime. These, this was probably one sebaceous ear canal. Beyond that, how many of us would, would allow another person to spit, not spit on the ground and touch his own tongue, but presumably spit on his fingers and touch our tongue? How much did he trust our Lord? How docile he was to let this happen. No doubt he already knew who he was. But still, it's the centurion said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Right? How about just saying a simple word? Why, why all this commotion? But he trusted. And even if for no other reason than to show how much and in what way God loves us, it was worth it. A context in which we can fortunately frame this passage is provided by yesterday's feast day. Yesterday was the feast of Blessed Teresa of Calcutta. Now every one of us, except for the children under 25 years of age, always knew Mother Teresa as a saint already. A living saint, the holiest person walking the face of the planet. Yet if you look her up, try to find out some information from her, you'll see that she's already just simply in that category of saint. Look up her biography on the Vatican website, or even Pope St. John Paul II's homily at her beatification mass. And it reads like any other boring life of a saint, you know, holy and prayed and knew at a young age that she wanted to follow God and then did good things and took care of the poor and prayed a lot and was willing to suffer and was widely known and was very humble and then died and went to heaven. 
But if you go back a little bit further, in fact, closer during her lifetime, we can appreciate more clearly how remarkable she was. Look at Life magazine in 1980, soon after she had received the Nobel Peace Prize. Life magazine sent a photographer to go spend a month with Mother Teresa. And her own words offer the interesting details. When the poor arrive at the hospice, filthy and eaten by vermin and disease, they are washed, their hair is cut, and their wounds dressed. As sunlight streams down, the sisters and brothers help them get better, or at least try to give them a measure of peace before death. Pus, blood, vomit, urine, screams, sad and vacant faces. The sisters never stop working. They are gentle and kind. Each time I ask something, the sister tells me, it is God's work, don't you see? You should put down your camera and do some work. In the women's room, nuns mop and bathe the women, excrement everywhere. The little blind girl looks like a concentration camp victim. Her arms are like broomsticks, her chest skeletal. There are several new patients, their legs drawn up like fetuses. Some can't control their bodily functions. That's often the most sad because they realize their loss of control and are ashamed. The women are fed lots of food. The sisters mop up again, then medicine, injections, clean beds, then lunch of fish, vegetables, and rice. At 3.30, there is clean up again. The nuns work so hard, oblivious to the most terrible sights and smells. And then quoting Mother Teresa herself, our work is only the expression of the love we have for God. To us, what matters is an individual. Every person is Christ for me. And since there is only one Jesus, that person is the one person in the world at that moment. I wouldn't touch a leper for a thousand pounds, yet I willingly care for him for the love of God. It's remarkable. That's how our moms and dads loved us when they were still changing our diapers. And that's how God still loves us. He knows everything. And he still loves you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your actions. He knows the temptations to which you've consented. He knows the bad things you would want to do, and he still loves you. And he makes himself known to you so that from a distance you can ask him to heal you. And then he can come into your heart and into your thoughts and into your affections and make you perfect. 
It's not necessarily an act of love to do all sorts of deeds of social work. Frequently, it's condescension. But real love begins with allowing God to love you. Allowing yourself to be humbled by God's mercy and then loving others accordingly. And then in our hearts, the words of the prophet will come true. The eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be cleared. The lame will leap like stags. And the tongues of the mute will sing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.